Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you find yourself on this fine planet. This is Chris Romeo, co-host of the AppSec Podcast and CEO of Security Journey. On this episode, Robert is back at CodeMash, and he interviews Simon Bennett, who is the project lead for the OWASP Zap project. If you've never heard of Zap, you really got to listen in for this one. In this interview, Robert asks Simon about the origins of Zap, as well as the new heads-up display and using Zap as an API. Hope you enjoy. This episode of the Application Security Podcast is brought to you by Security Journey. Security Journey has a new weekly publication called High Five, five security articles that are worth your time. We scour the internet looking for the best articles on application and product security. We add in just a touch of sarcasm and snark in our descriptions. Just what security people and developers love. To sign up, visit www.securityjourney.com slash high five. That's slash H-I, the number five. The Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Today, I am speaking with Simon Bennett. Simon, welcome. Hi, thank you very much, Robert. And so, uh, Simon, uh, one of the things that we do as we get started is uh, we ask, you know, what's your origin story? So tell us, how did you get into security? Sure. Uh, So I was a developer. Um, I led a small Java development team, and uh, we were developing a service that was critical to the company. It was something, was an online service, a check for update service uh, for a company which had a lot of financial desktop software. And they had no way of updating their desktops apart from people getting the CDs or downloading them. Um, so we wanted to create a service for, to solve that and push the software out. We'll be able to, so users could download the software. Um, obviously, this would be a great way to push malware to all of the customers, which would be a really bad thing. So we, consi- you know, we thought we'd considered security about, um, with this service. But I insisted they had a penetration test done on the software. And we got an external company to come in, and the company came. The two guys came in. We put them in a room, um, and I, I was very clear that I saw them. They were on our side, so I told them everything I could about the service, you know, just to make sure that you know they had everything to go on. And I left them alone for an hour. Came back in and found that one of them was logged in as as me as super user, and they shouldn't have been able to. In this particular case, that wasn't a bug in a vulnerability in my code. They just hacked the um, single sign-on system for the whole company. Uh, <laughs> that kind of was a wake-up call to me, and um, particularly when they found other vulnerabilities. And, you know, I heard of things like cross-site scripting and um, SQL injection, even though I'd never been taught any of these things. Um, but cross-site request forgery, I'd never heard of. And I confidently said, well, it's okay, this, um, you know, the admin panel you found this problem with is behind the firewall, it's safe. And the guys looked at me and said, no, no, I can show you how we can attack it from outside the company. It was at that point I realised I need to learn more about security. And at that point it wasn't about changing my job, it was very much, you know, I developed software that was high-performant and resilient 
um, and usable and I saw security as just one of the aspects of the services I want to deliver and I still do you know that's just security isn't all important if the software doesn't do what it's supposed to do it's useless and no one will use it so you know there's so many aspects to software uh, which is why it's so interesting and challenging to work on but security is something I realized I didn't know enough about I need to learn more so that's where I got started okay great great and Simon, you're known also as a um, project lead for OWASP project lead for the Zap project, yep. which is a fantastic tool for uh, testing web applications. Uh, so tell us about that. How did that get started? Right. So um, when I wanted to learn about security, uh, one of the um, pen testers was um, did quite a lot in OWASP, a guy called Yanis, and he, so he pointed me at OWASP. I you know had a look at the top ten and started going through that and that learning it. But when it comes down to it, you know, I'm a techie, I'm a developer, I like playing with things. Um, so I wanted some tools to play with. And I, I, I thought even then it would be, wouldn't it be a good idea to actually have something which would automatically test my software for the most common security vulnerabilities. Um, so I looked around and there were various tools. Um, there was an old project called WebScarab, which I just didn't get on with particularly. Uh, but there was a tool called Paros, which I liked. It was nice and simple. And I played around with it and it was, it was fun. You know, so I started learning about things, and but there were some little things about it that annoyed me. I remember there was, the, there was an option to resend a request. I can't remember which way around it was, but it was on the either on the history and not on the sites or the other way around. But I'm a Java developer. Paris was written in Java, so I pulled it into Eclipse, compiled it, changed it, got it working, and I still remember that feeling. You know, when I when I got that first um, change working, I thought this is cool. Maybe I could do something more with this. Um, so I started playing around with that and trying to work out how it worked and how I could make it better for me. But I also started talking to, um, giving talks, the company I was working at, to developers and um, QA people, just talking about the OWASP top 10, you know, explain these, because no one else knew about it than either. And in the, you know, the first question that people would ask is, what tools do we use? So I decided, okay, I'll look at this properly. Um, I started investigating the tools. And I wanted something that we could give to all of our developers, and there are hundreds of developers, and I didn't feel at the time that I'd have been able to go to the management and say, we've got to spend, you know, 100 quid or whatever per developer. I didn't, you know, these days it's much easier to justify those things, but at the time I didn't see it as, as a chance. I wanted it to be open source and cross-platform, um, and ideally, you know, it didn't have to be too complicated, didn't have to do everything, but, you know, being supportive would be nice. But I couldn't find anything out there that kind of fit the bill. In fact, the closest thing was Paros. Or actually, when I thought about it, the closest thing was the version of Paros I was hacking around with on my computer. So I decided, okay, I'll release it. I decided to call it Zap and released it. And then, um, so I, I asked if OWASP, you know, if OWASP wanted to adopt it. And I assumed the answer would be no, because it already had WebScarab. Um, I didn't hear back for quite a while, but then it did get accepted. And uh, I try and track everything to do with Zap, and I saw a leap in downloads, I think 400 downloads in one day, which was quite incredible at the time. Um, and, yeah, it took off from there, really. And what time was that? What circa years? So I think I, so I started playing around with security in 2009, and it's 2010 when I released Zap. Okay, very good. And so uh, tell me about, you mentioned this in the, in the talk yesterday, uh, the origin of the name Zap. I'm curious about that. <laughs> yeah, so I hate coming up with names. It's really difficult naming things. 
Um, I knew I wanted something different from Paros because I wanted to be a change. I knew Paros had been taken closed source by the people. Uh, and I wanted, didn't want to be restricted by that. I wanted it to um, be something different. And I, I always wanted to be a community project. That was really important to me. I actually was looking for a community project to get involved in and couldn't find one. So I tried to create one that I wanted to be involved in. Um, but I've always written tools and I've always written scripts to do things as a developer. And if I wrote a script that I knew I was going to reuse, I'd call it something sensible because I always had a big library of scripts. But I often write one-off scripts where you just want to do something and you'd forget about it, you'd never use it again. Uh, and I always called those scripts either Zap or Pow. I think very much of you know the um, cartoon type thing, Zap, Pow, get it done, do it, that's it. And those two names kept on coming up when I was trying to think of something. And I like the idea of zapping a website. It sound, sound, sounded appropriate. Uh, and I did a quick search, and I was surprised to see there's no other main projects called Zap um, anywhere. Um, and I wanted it to be in capitals. I did avoid um, putting exclamation mark on, which is probably just as well. Uh, but the best way for it to be capitals is if it stood for something. So it's a backronym. Um, the P for proxy seemed fairly obvious. It didn't take me too long to think of A for attack. Um, the Z was a problem. I couldn't think of anything suitable um, the Z could stand for. And I thought, well, it doesn't have to stand for anything. It can just be Z. But then I realised that Americans, I'm afraid, would pronounce it Z. And to my English ears, Z attack proxy just wasn't right. So I decided it would stand for Z, Z-E-D. So that's what it stands for. Perfect, perfect. And I like the uh, uh, backronym. <laughs> Come up with the, uh, the Zap first and then figure out how to fill it in. Absolutely. Fantastic. So uh, tell me about uh, you know, what's the latest with the project today? Okay, so the one thing I was um, uh, giving my talk on uh, CodeMash is something called the Zap Heads Up Display, or HUD. And the reason we've... So this is actually a new user interface for Zap. Um, and there's a couple of reasons we've been working on this. Uh, when I started Zap, I actually said that Zap was a... I marketed it as the, the, tool, the security tool for developers. Um, and there was various reasons for that. One, I was a developer... And it was something I was, I was using it to learn about security. And I didn't have the cheek to actually say it was for security people. It was only after I started talking at conferences and security people came up to me and said, look, we use it too. So I kind of dropped that tagline for a while. Um, but I still wanted Zap to be ideal for people new to security. That was very important to me. Um, the fact that we get professional pen testers using it is great. And there are lots of features that they, they use and I use as well, advanced features. Um, so we're trying to... Uh, uh, appeal to everyone but I still want um, Zap to be ideal for people new to web security whether you want to get into security or whether you've got a development background you want to learn more about security or um, QA whatever but when it comes down to it the user interface has got more and more complicated over the years we've tried to hide things so a whole load of tabs will be hidden um, so the WebSocket tab will be hidden until a WebSocket message is uh, um, it gets proxied through Zap and then it will appear. Um, the Spider tab, the Active Scan tab, they will disappear until they're needed. Um, and we hide lots of things behind right-click options. Um, if you don't, if you're new to the Zap desktop UI, then right-click everywhere. Everywhere's got context-sensitive help. But it still means the um, interface is very complicated. Um, so we wanted to address that. But also, I'm I've got this worry that sometimes security professionals focus on their security tool too much and they don't spend enough time actually in the application and I think that's important because some of the most interesting application vulnerabilities 
or when you abuse the application functionality, when you get under the skin of the application, really understand it and work out how to do bad things with it. And some of those things, tools will never help you with. You need that human brain to work these things out. So I was worried that people spending too much time either in Zap or in other security tools and not enough time in the application itself and seeing what they can do with it. So what we did, we talked about this in the team, and we decided um, to come up with this thing, which is the heads-up display. And, you know, for something like a fighter pilot, the heads-up display is taking all the essential controls and projecting them on the, uh, the screen of the, of the, of the fighter pl- um, plane so they, can just see, so they can focus on the environment but see this information and react to it as needed. And when you're dealing with a web application, the, your um, field of view is the browser. So but t- basically taking information from Zap and making it available in the browser. Um, so what um, the HUD is, basically we inject the HUD into the browser. And so you don't need any browser add-ons. Um, and the idea will be um, on by default within Zap, um, but you will be able to turn it off if you don't want it. And we basically add information around the left-hand side, the right-hand side, and the bottom. Um, and that gives you information about types of vulnerabilities Zap has found, um, when it's making requests, you'll see counts go up. Um, you can see where they're hidden fields. And you can also interact with the application via the HUD as well, interact with the application and Zap itself. So you can actually make hidden fields visible and make um, fields that you can't um, change, make, make them changeable. Um, you can see details of the vulnerabilities. You can kick off the spider, the active scan. You can see the history, you can see the sites, you can see the requests and responses. Uh, so loads of things. Um, not everything that Zap can do, but it just um, you can do. Hopefully, you'll be able to do the essential stuff. And the idea is, if you're new to security, a developer or a QA person, you can st- you can have the HUD enabled, just doing your normal testing on the application and see information. You can see what's going on. Um, if you're a security professional, you can also then focus on the application. But you get information about what the application is doing. And if you want to do things like intercepting and changing things, you can do that in HUD without switching between your tools. Um, so I think it's, a, it's not something that security professionals use all the time, but I think it can be very effective. And we're hoping it will, could become the main interface that a lot of people use for Zap. But it is early days. Um, so you know, we're still working on it, but it is actually available in the weekly releases. Okay, very good. And so, um, if I remember correctly, you're using JavaScript to in- inject something into yeah. uh, to the session. And uh, what browsers would you so use for we, support? We support all modern browsers, but in reality, that is Firefox and Chrome. Uh, we haven't had, I don't we haven't deliberately gone out of way to use HTML5 technologies, but in them we have. <laughs> We've tried to use what's appropriate, and we haven't been. You know, we're, we're not supporting IE6 or anything like that. Um, so we want to use the most appropriate modern technologies, and it turns out loads of HTML5 things are. So we're using loads of HTML, you know, the latest technology we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mo- any modern browser that is called Firefox or Chrome at this stage. <laughs> okay, and you said it's in weekly releases, yep. uh, and again, free, so it's, Absolutely. it's available to, yep. to download and, yep. and take a look at and start playing yep. with it. Okay, great. And in terms of, I mean, you, you run the project, you obviously have other people that are helping as yep. well. And uh, so if somebody wanted to, in our, any of our listeners, if anyone would like to give feedback or even just to maybe help with the project, mm. what would they do? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when I set up Zap, 
I deliberately said it was a community project and that's been a big focus for all of us. We want people to get involved. We want ZAP to be the project you can get involved in if you want to. And there's loads of things to do, not just coding, but, um, but there's documentation, testing, um, evangelizing, translating. ZAP is one of the few security tools that's translated to- completely um, internationalized and translated into like 30 odd languages. Wow. So there's loads of things you can do. Um, and I think actually in the um, Zap desktop UI, under the online um, option, there's um, links to both the user and developer group. So just ping us on the developer group is an ideal place. You can search for it as well. That's linked off the GitHub repo. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Sign on, P-S-I-I-N-O-N. Um, you should be able to get in touch. You know, If you can't get in touch, then you're really not high, trying hard enough. We're always very keen to hear about from people. And actually one, pe- one set of people we're very keen on hearing from is students we've had lots of students um, work on Zap as part of pro- projects as university um, some of them work through Google Summer of Code um, Mozilla Winter of Security um, also had some similar events but also students have just contacted me directly and say you know I'm working on a sec- um, security project can I contribute to Zap or can we contribute to Zap I'm always delighted to hear from people we always, we've always got a huge amount of things we want to do and can't can't do so there's always loads to do is, is that i was just thinking about for a moment the challenges probably in a project like this yeah. uh, with the scale and so forth i mean that's one of them i'm, I'm assuming it's just all the things that you want to do but trying to find the people to help yeah. you get it done are there some other challenges that you've found over the years i i think the biggest problem is i've got too many ideas and not enough people um, so you know, I used to say used to say that I could keep a team of six people um, busy full time. Um, one of our biggest competitors, Burp, has got thirty people full time now. You know, we can't compete with that. Um, so, but you know, there's always way too much to do. Sure, sure. And then uh, let's see if it, anybody. Oh, one other question I had was um, OWASP. Other things in OWASP, like the top ten and so mm. forth. How do you, uh, whenever those kinds of things come out, new things come out like that. How do you build those in, in terms of testing and, and so on? Yeah, that's, that's tricky. I mean, I, I think generally within OWASP, we're quite good at focusing on our own projects and not so good at talking between the projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to, you know, chatted with various other projects, but we don't have as good integration as, as we'd like. Um, I think something like the testing guide, I uh, would love to have better integration with the testing guide. Um, we've had a couple. We've had that down as a Google Summer of Code project for the last couple of years, but I don't think anyone's taken it on. Um, so, yeah, trying to work out what to focus on is very difficult. Um, and something like the OWASP Top 10, um, I think I wrote a... There's a, a page on the OWASP wiki explaining why Zap doesn't find everything in the OWASP Top 10 mm-hmm. and why actually no security tools do. Right. So if you see Especially a commercial... Yeah, if you see a security tool saying we we find everything in the old top ten, they're lying. Right, <laughs> you know, right. so um, we want to be completely honest about things and explain what we can do and what we can't do. And you know, Zap is not the silver bullet. There are no silver bullets here. So we want to make sure people can understand how you can use Zap effectively, what it will do for you, and what it won't do for you. You know. If you're a developer, it'll help you find security vulnerabilities. It is not a replacement for a professional penetration test. Right. Okay. Good. And you know, I've used it over the years uh, from the UI. It's a, you know, I really enjoy it. But one of the other features that I know it has is an API. I've seen it used by Gauntlet, a robot framework, and a few others that are using the API. Tell mm. us about the API usage and 
how easy it is to yeah. so, get started. Um, I mean, as I think I mentioned before, one of the reasons I started Zap was to actually make do automated testing on my own applications. So that was always a big thing. And quite a few years ago, we, st- we added the API. And that was a big focus for us. And we've got to the stage now where virtually everything you can do from the desktop UI, you can do with the API. And what we have is uh, we have a very simple um, user interface on top of the API, an HTML one, so you can actually explore the API and you can invoke it. And you can actually see what happens. You can see the results. And it's a generated API, so you can get back results in XML or JSON or HTML. Um, and we have various... You can just use straightforward HTTP, HTTPS requests, or we've got some client libraries as well. So we've got the Java one. I actually think the Python one's probably the best supported, and I use that at work uh, quite a lot. But you don't have to use any um, client libraries you don't want to. So the Zap API is very comprehensive, and one of, the, one of the reasons that we've been pushing it so hard in the last few years is because we've been working on the HUD, and the HUD uses a Zap API. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea was you can build a completely new interface to Zap, whether it's an automated one or a visual one, and that's what we're using for the HUD. And so the few things that you can't do via the API, I think fuzzing is one of the main ones. Okay. You know, we're going to add the API to that because we want to use it from the HUD. Uh, but, I, you know, I've been told, you know, I, I don't keep a very careful track on commercial projects, but I've been told that our API is more effective than nearly all the commercial projects out there, oh, security nice. tools. Um, nice. So, And if there's something that people want to do via the API and can't yet, then let us know and we'll try and prioritize it. Okay, great. And I know you said early on about 400 downloads. Where are you now? Uh, so I think direct downloads, we're averaging about 2,000 a day. Wow. Um, the latest version, which is about a year old, um, 270, has had 600,000 direct downloads. We know a lot of people use it via other things like Carly. We also have um, we have Docker images, and the so we've got lots of different Docker images, but the stable one, which is still on 2.7.0, has had over a million downloads. Wow. We have um, weekly downloads. We also have live downloads. Um, so if somebody makes a change, then the bill will kick off, and an hour later we'll have a new version. We've had cases of people coming uh, onto IRC and chatting to us, um, so we use IRC quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's used in Mozilla, but we use it for Zap as well. <coughs> and details on the um, repo if you want to get in touch with us. But people get in touch and saying, we've had this particular problem, we've looked at it, we've found out we can fix it quite quickly, we've done the fix, and within two hours they've had the fix available and oh. been able to use the Docker image. We don't promise that for all bugs, you know? but right, right. you know, where possible, we can we'll try and fix things quickly, and you'll you'll have the fix available within you know an hour okay. after that. Great, and then uh, two point eight, you said I yeah. believe is coming out soon. Yeah, um, so it's really difficult to plan exactly when things will come out when you're dealing with volunteers, and you know we're all doing it in you know we're all volunteers, uh, a lot of people doing it in their spare time. I would have loved to get two eight zero out before Christmas, didn't happen. Um, we're aiming for end of January, but I've been promised, you know, I promise releases, and then we we never hit them. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to get it done as soon as possible. Um, one of the big things we're doing with Zap is, for historic reasons, we've got a couple of different repos. One of them is the Zap Extensions repo, and we have different branches. We have um, the, the um, master branch, we've got the beta branch, and the alpha branch. We've got different code on all three. 
which is confusing. So trying to merge that, and then we'll actually be able to pr- um, promote a whole load of add-ons and rules because we have alpha, beta, and um, release quality add-ons and rules, scan rules, um, both um, passive and active scan rules. So we want to get that work done and promote some of those. We want to make the HUD a bit more stable and a few more little features. Um, so there's quite a lot we want to do, but there's still, you know, it shouldn't be too long. Okay. But if people want to jump in, I mean, something like the HUD is something you can jump in and get, you know, still quite a small code base. And if you know JavaScript, then you're probably one up on someone like me. <laughs> okay. Well, I definitely want to recommend everyone uh, take a look at it if you haven't already. Any of our listeners, if they're interested, it's available uh, for free. It's on GitHub as well as, uh, is there a project site as well, right? Yeah, yeah. so there's a page on the OWASP wiki, but most of the links are on the um, GitHub site now. Okay. We are planning a, a proper website, um, but not enough time, you know, <laughs> there's too much to do. I understand, I understand. Well, Simon, thank you very much for joining us and telling us about Zap. It's, it's really interesting to hear the history and, and everything that's going on and certainly look forward to uh, looking at the latest things and, uh, and continue with it. Thank you very much, Robert. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor and visit the iTunes store and give us a five-star rating. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Born and TJ. And the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.